We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How is that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? Welcome back into the Underage Packers podcast. So great to have you here on episode 91. We thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, If you're new here, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a follow on the Spotify. Find us on the social medias. It's greatly appreciated. I'm Joey, one of your co-hosts. And joining me, as always, all the way up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan is my great friend, Big B here. Big B. How you feeling on this bye week? How are you keeping yourself busy? Um, I'm listening to a lot more music than I usually do for some mm-hmm. reason. So that's how I'm keeping myself busy on this bye week. So are you like uh, kind of branching out or are you kind of staying in your same kind of realm of Queen and Elton John? I'm not branching out at all. Not branching out. Definitely, definitely not. Yeah, you're fine with what you have. Yeah. Yeah, I interestingly enough, I've been doing the same. I've been going through a situation and I've been home from school the past few days. I'm not skipping. Uh, but, and I've just been like, I've had Spotify on shuffle all day, listening to some Fana Iver, uh, kind of exploring that a little bit more, uh, kind of like in that Aaron Rodgers indie realm, you know? Um, so yeah, we'll have to have a whole podcast about our music, but uh, when we have Dusty on, that would be a great time to talk about music. Dusty Evely. I'm not sure when that's going to happen. And I don't, we've, we never even approached him about this, but we want to have Dusty <laughs> on and we need to work that out. But well, we got some, a few guests uh, kind of in the work. So, cause it's been a while. The last guest we had on was MK Burgess um, from WFRV before. Um, I can't even remember what game it was for, but for a game preview a few weeks back, um, and compared to last year where we had a guest on for every single game preview, uh, that was kind of insane. So now definitely dull in comparison, but we found our groove. We enjoy talking to people. Um, and not that we're saying that people aren't worth our time per se. It's just like, uh, we've had those experiences. We're still friends with them, obviously. Uh, but now we just kind of like, I don't know how to phrase it. Because, you know, we like to talk to people like <laughs> you and I, I, I don't even know where I'm going with this or why this is yeah. necessary. But, you know, you and I, we always talk about how fun and cool it is just to talk to people about the Packers. Uh, but, yeah, we just haven't worked out too many guests this season. But once we get into the playoffs, so we'll be getting more of our novelty guest. I could say, I guess you could say. So I'm excited for that. But we're just solo for now to give you a recap of the Rams game. And then we got quite a bit of interesting topics to talk about. I was reading Big B kind of a a rundown of the script right before we started recording. And he said, well, uh, how about you just tell me what we're not talking about? We got a lot on hand. It's going to be an exciting episode like usual. So let's head right into it, starting off with the Week 12 game against the Los Angeles Rams prime playoff contenders in the NFC. Not so much uh, in running for the first seed after their loss against us. However, um, Mike Spofford, friend of the show, Mike Spofford at Packers.com on his uh, little 
path to the playoffs for the Packers. She does every year. It's always phenomenal. Even though it's pretty much your CSPN playoff machine, it's different when Mike tells you who to root for. Mike uh, pointed out that the Rams do play the Arizona Cardinals next week uh, on Monday Night Football. So, obviously, uh, the Rams are currently two games behind the Arizona Cardinals. And so, if Cardinals lose this week, Rams win this week, then that game next Monday turns out to be a, a big time event uh, to watch for NFC teams. So that's where we're seeing that with the playoff race and with LA, but uh, all game with them, which phenomenal win for the green Bay Packers. I think this was certainly the first game where you saw a really strong performance from the defense and also a really strong performance from the offense. I think both sides have kind of had better performances in the past, but this was one where the two forces joined and just put together an epic game of football. Would you agree with that statement, Big B? Yeah, yeah. The, de- the defense definitely had their moments where, you know, they let up a couple big plays, but otherwise they were fin- fantastic. Offense looked great as usual. I think they're finally found their groove, and it's so yes. exciting to watch. I know. It, it was like I was – I don't know if I'd say I was concerned to a point before this Rams game uh, and the Vikings game, but I was certainly kind of – a little disappointed or underwhelmed because the offense has so much talent, even with the injury safe base that it hurt not seeing them be anywhere close to where they were in 2020. And they still got a long way to go, but certainly in the, the second half versus the Vikings. And then in this game against the Rams, they, they really have improved much. And, uh, uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks game was pretty much the low point for the offense, I guess you could say. And then yeah. the, they, they could, took a quick jump up. So that's good to see. And Aaron Rodgers is playing a lot better. I, I think it's safe to say that game against L.A. was his best game of the season so far. Uh, yeah. Maybe you could make an argument for San Fran, but there's really not too many others that come to mind on where Aaron Rodgers looked. Uh, more calm in the offense. So that's good to see. Which more calm in the offense, like he's a rookie quarterback <laughs> learning the system. But uh yeah, there's that. So there's some quick thoughts. Uh smaller thoughts I had written down here in the script. Uh quick passing game. We hit on that, but two players who had a really nice game were Equinemius St. Brown and Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, uh he faced a, a toe injury or a foot injury. I think he kind of planted his foot wrong in the first quarter and then he returned pretty soon after. But then after that, he went out after the first half with a groin injury and never returned. So who knows if those two were related or what, but it looks like he'll be fine. Um, And obviously we got this five week for him to rest. But anyways, he was doing really good. He ended the game off with 95 yards, just playing about, a quarter and a half uh so that was awesome to see and he had one play uh that was really good it probably went for like 50 yards where he goes right over the middle and then he kind of evades defenders he hugs that right sideline and he is off for the races which is very reminiscent of it's the randall cobb again play in the 2018 bears comeback that's that's pretty much the first thought i had uh 
I could I could hear the Bears fans just crying all the way from Chicago from where I live. So I I could tell it affected them very bad. Yeah, that same kid that made uh, the reason we call it the Randall Cobb play is that same kid. You know, he's he he was he probably had those fears again. I can't that kid's whole legacy on YouTube is that three hour live stream of him watching that game. So I mean, I'm I'm sure every time he sees Randall Cobb, he has some bad memories. Yep. Uh, and then Equinemius with uh, Alan Lazard facing some injuries. Um, you know, he, he stepped up uh, and he, he's, he's looked pretty decent. Better than, uh, or I guess not necessarily better, but a whole different role really uh, than what how he was used previously. So I like what I see from what EQ. And like I said, after the Vikings game, if this offense has to establish its identity with guys like Equinemius St. Brown, Josiah DeGuara, that's fine. But let's get going now, you know. And even if some guys are able to return shortly in time, if those are the guys that have to go out there for now. Getting that experience is invaluable. So that's that's great to see EQ finally stepping up. You know, um, his contract is going to expire this next year. I would be interested to see. This is kind of not only in terms of getting signed by the Packers, but really having a job outside of the a practice squad for some team. These last, however, so many games are are going to be a big tryout for Equinemius uh, after a pretty lackluster first four years of his career. So uh, good for EQ. Good to see him putting put his name out there. Yeah, and if he can actually stay healthy, Packers oh, yeah. might actually offer him something this offseason potentially, but he has to stay healthy for the rest of the year. And he is making the most of his opportunities the past two games. I And he's really rounding or stepping into this role very good in the Matt LaFleur offense. For sure. And, I, yeah, I, I think what they do this offseason as far as how they go about re-signing people is going to be really interesting because people obviously are going to be calling for Devontae Adams re-sign, which, believe me, I am – number one on that boat regardless i don't care how financially irresponsible it might be or how uh, how much i might argue for not re-signing 29 year old players for big contracts i don't care i want to buy tail on this team for the, for the next four years at least yep. but the packers so if they re-sign Devontae, then they're in a real world of hurt for everybody else they want to resign. They're going to have Devondre Campbell. He's going to be a free agent. They're going to have uh, Rasul Douglas, who won't get as big money uh, for as Devondre, uh, but he's certainly going to get more than what the Packers are paying him right now. Anyway, so it's just a lot of role guys that the Packers are going to be desperate to keep. Um, and I think EQ is a very strong example of that because – the wide receiver position specifically is a position they're going to be so desperate to keep anybody at Randall Cobb. It makes no sense to keep him after this year, especially if you end up trading away Aaron Rodgers. And even if you do end up keeping Aaron Rodgers, unless Aaron is, um, I don't know if, unless Aaron is going to, is comes into Brian Gutekind's office and says, I am going to steal your pin. If you don't keep Randall Cobb, 
that's some serious sweats right there. Uh, mm-hmm. they, but yeah, they have Randall Cobb, who's probably going to be gone. And MBS is also coming up on a contract here. No doubt he's also going to get some strong offers from some other teams that the Packers might not be able to match. And really, with all these role players at the wide receiver position all around, it's going to be hard to use that same thing that the Packers have been able to keep players around for so long on. We're a really good team. And, you know, there's we might not have the salary cap because we're paying our MVP quarterback, MVP quarterback money. And now if Aaron Rodgers is gone, they're going to be losing a lot of other key players that they're going to have to cut just to get under the cap space. We might be seeing Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Billy Turner, all gone after this year. Um, So my whole point of this is the point I'm trying to make here wide receivers specifically, cornerbacks in another position where they're going to be desperate to keep players, and that's where I could see EQ get in a cheap contract just because he's familiar with the team, familiar with Matt LeFleur, and then you don't have a bunch of maybe a, a second rounder in there, Amari Rodgers, then three or four late-round picks slash undrafted free agents because the Packers aren't going to be able to afford to sign any premier wide receiver talent if it's not Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. So that was a really long-winded kind of explanation of any point <laughs> I'm trying to make, yeah. but, you know, that's, that, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Brown, Rams game. All right, whatever. Done with that. Great chat. Uh, unless you had anything, any other performances you want to highlight, Bigby? Um, Yash Nyman, mm. amazing, still great. Um, he is yes. – I I'm thinking he's elite. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's an overreaction or not, but I definitely think he's getting to that point where we can start discussing him being a elite left tackle. Um, Mm -hmm. Man, what else? AJ Dillon, still a stud. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Rasheel Douglas um, interception was amazing. Well, I want to talk about Douglas here. Okay. First though, I want to talk about Yashinay. Yes. The, the, like I was just talking about, players that in positions that the Packers are going to be in world of hurt in or trying to retain players, offensive line is pretty much the opposite of that because of how well they've drafted, how well they've developed. And David Bakhtiari is locked up for the next three years after this one. And they really have right tackle. Billy Turner's position is really the only one in question, but they have so many guys that they've been developing over these past one or two years that by next year, if it ends up working out, they're going to be set for more than likely a young quarterback in Jordan Love. Uh, So you have David Bakhtiari at left tackle. You have uh, interior is kind of a handful. Um, Elton Jenkins still would have, because this is his third year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's his third year because he came in the same year as Rashawn. Third year for Elton Jenkins. So after next year will be his last. Last next year. Next year will broken us on. Josh Myers is going to be only in his second year. You have John Runyon, uh, Royce Newman, and yeah, right tackles that only position of question. And then you have Yash Nyman coming along here. 
Uh, and I really don't have anybody to compare him to, but I'm sure if I was more knowledgeable on some teams that I watched earlier on in my life, I could tell you of a, a undrafted free agent offensive lineman that was on the practice squad for a few years and then comes in to start at left tackle and plays a great game. Uh, but Yash, I love Yash uh, doing the robot, man. He is such a character. Uh, I'm so glad he's on the Packers. And, you know, like you said, he played pretty well. Considering what this offense had to go through against a really good Rams defense line, only allowing one sack to Mr. Santa, Greg Gaines, Aaron Rodgers' workout buddy. He has a great smile, Greg Gaines. Make sure you check out that NFL film studio with Rodgers and Gaines after the game. That's great content. But Yash Nyman, um, my favorite play from I, when I rewatched like the first half of this game, I saw a play from Yash where uh, Aaron Donald initially beats him and Aaron even gets the tackle, but Yash just keeps on pushing and he ends up pushing Donald to the ground. And like, you know what, Yash, you kind of let Donald make that tackle, but you are all in, man. You are not going to go down without a fight and you are going to tell Aaron who is boss. And then Aaron Donald throws a little temper tantrum. I like he did last year against Elton Jenkins. Donald (laughs) grabs Lucas's Patrick throw. Like, Okay, excuse me, uh, the taunting calls are so ridiculous this year, and that's not even taunting. I'm just thinking, okay, forget penalties. Are we talking about felonies here? Like, battery, 20 yards, like, and a $500,000 fine from the government. Like, (laughs) can't go around here choking players. And then the referee comes in and he sees it. He doesn't call a flag for unnecessary roughness. And the ref looks like Kurt Warner. So my conspiracy is that was actually Kurt Warner there refereeing for that game. And he just wanted to be nice to the Rams. Yeah. And, and then you talked about Rasul Douglas, which is a perfect transition to actually get us to our next point, our next topic of discussion of but, Brian uh, Goodkins. Before we go on to that next oh, topic, oh. I, have, I have to do it. I have to do a little um, – Rant thing that you mm. uh, triggered in my mind. First, before I do that, Mason Crosby is doing well. All right. He didn't miss four field goals this week. Yes. Just throwing that out there. He made three and missed one, but that's besides the point. All right. Since you, you sparked that Rams, here's my rant. All right. Rams, I hate the Rams with a burning passion after that game. I was, I was more pissed at the Rams after that game ended than I was happy that we won. I went on Twitter and ranted for about like four minutes about how much I hate the Rams and I still feel that way they're a garbage franchise damn near killed Darnell Savage like and that like thank god he's fine but I hate the Rams so much just go on Twitter look that look on my profile you'll probably see it scroll down a bit but yeah I hate them with a burning passion they are officially up there for my most hated teams I didn't know. I did not know it was possible to encapsulate all these players that I hated on one singular team. Yes. And I, I don't. I live in St. Louis, and I don't have any connection to Stan Kroenke because when they left, I was like, "Well, okay, that kind of sucks." When the Packers, uh, no more Packers games every eight years to go to, uh, but uh, like. People hate him, Stan Kroenke, very controversial, uh, you know, married into the Walton family. 
So there's that. And then you got these guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. No offense. They're all they're all crybabies. That's the worst part. They're so annoying. Like Ramsey throws a fit, Donald throws a fit, Odell throws a fit. It's like the whole every crybaby in the NFL is on the Rams. I can't stand it. I'm so glad though that they have pretty they're like like right now it's all uh, cherries and lollipops for Los Angeles fans and NFL analysts are so highly rating them. But after this year, man, talk about a planning to be decimated. Talk about a Super Bowl or bust for this franchise. It's crazy. They're sure they have Matthew Stafford. I don't know how long he's uh, contracted to be there. But the amount of draft picks they've given up is absolutely insane. They were the complete opposite of the Packers' plan. And I, I, I can't have too many more rants. I'm about to hit my rant, like, maximum before we have a two-hour episode for the stuff I want to get to. But oh boy. people hate on the Packers so many times for their reluctancy to go all in, for, to put all their chips in one pile. But the idea, the philosophy behind the the Packers' way of thinking, the way they draft, the way they draft and develop, the way they go about free agency since Ted Thompson and really Ron Wolf is, look, we got MVP-level play at quarterback, and we know that's going to be something that we're going to have for the foreseeable future up to two years ago. And their, their idea, like I said, it's the opposite of going all in. And they want to, instead of making throwing all these different pieces together to make one quote-unquote super team, it's going to sound corny and kind of like unattainable. They want to build the chemistry. They want to build not the not the best combination of players they want to find the right combination of players the right combination of guys that are going to develop develop into the system and basically what they're trying to do every year is just put enough put a, a team every year that's going to be in the race and i'm not saying that they're uh fine or content with losing the nfc championship game every year or if you know if they're they end up losing in the wild card. Well, all right, we were in the race, but their goal is to be able to put up a good enough team because the NFL is so unpredictable that no matter you could put a team together of Hall of Famers and they're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll win a few, but they're not going to because so much stuff can happen. And the reason relating it to the 2020 NFC championship game where they had a really good team. That team was good enough to win the Super Bowl, and they should have. But they go to the 2020 NFC conference championship game. It's Aaron Rodgers' first NFC conference championship game at Lambeau Field. But their players that have they've relied on all season are nowhere to be seen, not named Kenny Clark and Marquez Valdez-Gantley. No matter 
what you put out there, the NFL is going to be so unpredictable. This isn't the NBA or MLB or the NHL, every other big four professional sport where you have seven games in a series where more than likely, if you have a, a if your team is on paper better than the other team, you have a pretty good chance of winning. That's not the case all the time, but this is one game, one day where all the things have to fall into place for you. The Packers know what they have to do for the future. They are always looking out five years ahead. What can we do now that benefits us now and for five years ahead? And try to kind of regroup it all here into one one point i'm not good at this i'm not i'm not like <laughs> the the professional ranters here who can, can make points and just smash it in to one grand idea the rams opposite of the packers they want to win the chip this year they're putting together a bunch of good players they think they got it if they lose this year i mean sure, sure or even if they win Okay, sure, you got the win, but now you're screwed for the next five years. And if you're screwed for the next five years, you're probably going to have to building that team up from 2025 to 2030. That's another five years where you're just building back up to mediocre or attending the playoffs again. Packers, though, they're always on the lookout for the next five years. And they're just trying to put up a team that is good enough to make the race and can be a team on any given Sunday. Point rested. I need to shoot, bro. There's so much I want to hit on today. So we'll see how much editing goes into this, how much cutting down goes into this. So there, there's uh, that point on why the Rams are stupid. Now let's uh, let's talk about uh, Zadarius Smith possibly coming back. He posted a cryptic post on Instagram last night at like 11:30. Uh, and he said, it's about that time with a picture of him on the sideline from a previous game. And Jair Alexander was right in frame next to him. Big B, tell us, what is your cryptic analyzation? Is there Darius Smith going to play next week? No, no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, I don't I don't see it happening next week at all. I think they will probably practice for like at least a week first and then maybe come off of IR and then play. So we're looking at about maybe the Cleveland game, possibly if they are coming back to practice this week. I completely agree with you. That's what I think. Yeah. I know people want to get excited, but from what we've seen and heard, I I don't think it's coming back against the Bears seems unlikely. And, you know, I kind of bought into it at first. But then it gets even more wacky with Jerry. You're in the picture. And I'm like, guys, I don't think Zadarius thought about it that much. And I don't think <laughs> he has that much personal information on Jair's health. Like, I think he just, you know, had this picture in his camera roll. Didn't even realize that Jair was standing next to him. You know, let, let's just be patient. We'll, we'll find out early next week what we're looking at uh, with who's recovered over this bye week. All right, now let's see what, what else we got on the script. We want to talk about Matt LaFleur versus – oh, okay, not, they're going, not they're, that they're going head-to-head, but Matt LaFleur versus Brian Gutekinds. I put a toll, poll on the underage Packers Twitter yesterday on what do you think is more likely to happen, Brian Gutekinds wins executive of the year or Matt LaFleur wins coach of the year. And we got 78 votes. 
but what I hope people were kind of voting for wasn't really what who they thought should win, but more so um, kind of how the biases will be inflicted when the so-called smart people uh, vote for these awards in January. To me, the most likely, I really think there's so much public perception bashing, I guess. There's reasons why the public outside of Green Bay, the media outside of Green Bay, might have uh, ultimatums against Brian Gutekunst, uh reasons to not vote for Matt LaFleur or either of them. With Matt LaFleur obviously has Aaron Rodgers, and they haven't tended to like him the past two years in voting. Uh, but with Brian Gutekunst, I, I think people are – the voters are going to kind of not forget about the Aaron Rodgers situation, but, you know, in the cutthroat businessman – type uh point of view mind you know it's Mm -hmm. wow he you know he was not that he was selfish but he got aaron Rodgers back he's like okay you know i i get to uh, i like what andrew brant said former packers front office man he said packers get to eat their cake i forgot what analogy is but it was a good one trust me on that uh (laughs) but you know they get to they get to enjoy the fruit of Aaron Rodgers while they can, and then they get to move on to Jordan Love and next year, and they they obviously have full faith in Jordan Love, and then uh, and, and yeah the Packers end up benefiting, and Aaron Rodgers kind of gets chumped because now after this year if he gets if he decides he wants to be traded he's probably going to go to a team that sucks, you know he'll make it better but we'll see how much he can do in his uh, career lifetime. But I just had a dark thought. What if it ends up like the Brett Favre situation where they release him after his first year and he goes to Bears Vikings. Okay. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Anyways, executive of the year, Brian Goodkins. If he wins, uh, it will be because of the signings of Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas and the amount of players goes hand in hand with Matt LaFleur's case for coach of the year because of the players that Brian Goodkins has provided for Matt to step in when players have injured. Brian Goodkins had faith in for Yash Nyman to stay on the practice squad for the past three years. Here he comes starting in at left tackle. We've had so many rotational pieces on the offensive line. And uh, he kept Aaron Rodgers happy enough to come back this year. And uh, now he has a strong case for executive of the year. And really, I mean, he should have won it really in 2019 after the 2019 season because of how quickly he cleared house. But uh, Big B, give us some thoughts. We, we had a whole video, 60-minute video, why Matt Fleur should win Coach of the Year. Let's hear your thoughts on why Brian Goodkins should win Executive of the Year. Well, first I'll start with one thing that might hurt Brian Gudikins in winning is that um, he actually um, let go of Jamal Williams this offseason. That was um, not very nice. and um, yeah. Not very nice. <laughs> not, but, yeah, I think um, he should definitely win it this year. He's brought in Bajorquez, who was a big addition as well. Not really been talking about oh, yeah. him as much as an addition with – Rashul and Campbell, but he is, yeah, like you said, he's provided so much talent to this team to help LaFleur potentially win coach of the year. It's a big circle, pretty much. It is. 
And uh, I'm looking up here the former executive of the year winners. Uh, this oh, okay. I was gonna say this award hasn't been around for too long because I thought it said 1995, but it was 1955, so it has been around for a while. Uh, looks like Ron Wolf won it in 1992 for the Packers. Let's see if we have any other winners here. Uh, we got Ted Thompson in 2011. That's that's a pretty nice selection there. Uh, last year was Brandon Bean. Um, for the Buffalo Bills, Eric DeCosta with the Ravens in 19. Ryan Pace, man. Oh, my God. Whoa. Okay, look at this. I just realized this historic run for the Executive of the Year Award from 2015 to 2018. So, in 2015, it goes to Dave Gettleman. Not with the Giants, but the Panthers at the time. That makes sense. But knowing what we know now, it's kind of funny. In 2016, it's Reggie McKenzie with the Raiders. Uh, and then you got Howie Roseman with the Eagles in 2017, and then Ryan Pace. Man, man, guys, I this is exactly why the Bears need to give their. I mean, how insane would the Bears be if they didn't keep their 2018 Coach of the Year and Executive of the Year, extend them for 10 year contracts right now? Yeah, It'd be insanity if they didn't. But anyways, uh, I yeah, Brian Gutekunst's strong case for Coach of the Year. Uh, we'll see if the, the voters like to look at the bigger picture outside of, well, he made Aaron Rodgers mad. And why would you draft a quarterback when you have Aaron Rodgers? We'll see if the voters are able to look outside of that. Okay. All right. Now, let's talk about why Griff, Cliff Crystal is the man. All right. So, I've been going down through my Packers history phase, my Packers history uh, kind of era, <laughs> deep diving into some stuff. As good friend Aaron Nagler uh, sent us, sent me the Packers Legacy DVD, the 10 documentary series. Uh, and then also at the same time, I'm doing a project on Vince Lombardi for school. So I've been reading a lot more uh, books, kind of some sub clips, some uh, articles. And Cliff Crystal is the Packers team historian. And if you didn't know, he he worked on the Legacy Series and pretty much every single thing to do with Packers history, Cliff has his hand in. Uh, he was hired by the Packers in uh, early 2000, uh, 2010s. can't remember exactly what day it said in the article, but uh, he was hired by them to be their team historian. And he helped create kind of like the, the new would arise Hall of Fame. He's a big part of the Heritage Trolley Tours that they do, a uh, big part in, um, I'm sure, the stadium tours. And he has his weekly or his kind of articles that he does on Packers.com. He's virtually the source finder for everything in the Packers Legacy Series. So Cliff Crystal, awesome guy. And now he is releasing the book series for the history of the Green Bay Packers. Man, I cannot wait mm. for this book to be out because, uh, like I said, I've been looking a lot more into it, uh, a lot of the stuff. And the, the history of the Packers is so incredible. Like, Big B, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to – let's see. I texted you at, like, uh, midnight around that time because I was reading my Bart Starr biography and mm. – the name Jack Venisi came up and I was like, this is the coolest connection 
I've ever seen. Packers history needs to be taught in schools because there you could have a whole course on this. And now Cliff Crystal is going to give us a textbook. So <laughs> that that's really neat. And and his, he did an interview with the Green Bay Press Press Gazette. Uh, promoting the book here and I don't let's see do I have it on hand yes so I, I definitely recommend reading this because he provides a lot of useful information uh, kind of promoting his book series that he's going to put out in a few weeks here and at the end uh, this is a great article by Rich Ryman who I follow on uh, Twitter just wanted to point that out because he's a, he's a he's a cool guy um, and basically and he ends this off with a great phenomenal story from cliff so let me, let me just read it straight out of here the project has added meaning so the the book series has added meaning for crystal who only recently found a letter from his father who he never knew to his mother shortly before his before cliff's birth in 1947 his father was a veteran's at a veteran's admissions hospital in Hines, illinois suffering from cancer that likely resulted from his exposure to mustard gas during training in World War II. At the end of the three-and-a-half-page letter, his father, also named Cliff, wrote, Time to close. Cut out all of the Packers dope from the Press Gazette or any pro football dope. You'll find a lot of Packers dope in our daily sports column. Crystal, the son, did not know until then that his father was a Packers fan. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. That Cliff... Uh, he was a great, well, I assume he's great, uh, writer for the Press Gazette, Milwaukee uh, Journal Sentinel, on the Packers for a long time, devotes his career uh, to them, and then, you know, pretty much has a whole second career being the team historian. And he did not know until just recently when he found, just digging through his basement and found a letter uh, where he finds out his dad was a Packers fan in the era that Cliff focuses on pretty much. Like, uh, I guess 1947 was kind of a sucky time for the Packers, you know, mm -hmm. but they, that, that's just an awesome story yes. uh, from Cliff Crystal. So definitely recommend, not that Cliff needs uh, our promotion for his book series, but it's on the Packers Pro Shop. So I cannot recommend it enough, not only buying that book, but just somehow, some way, getting into Packers history because it's 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 so interesting, and so awesome. And the thing that I love most about it is kind of how the city, especially in the early days when they really needed the support of the city for the team, how they kind of how they revolved around them, how they supported them, and that's really the only reason why they weren't moved elsewhere. So yeah. when people uh, like say it's just a piece of paper when you buy a stock, which it totally is, but I mean, yeah, I mean, what you're buying is just a piece of paper, but the sentimental value there is, it's definitely there. Yeah. Um, and, and the history behind the paper is even right, better. Exactly. That, that's kind of what I was trying to hint at there, that it's like some people, even during the Great Depression, wanted the Packers to, to stay around so much that they, they put out this money for them. And, you know, now might not be the case, but, you know, you're buying a video board for them. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that, that's, uh, that's that. 
So that's Cliff Crystal for you in his book series. Now let's talk about somebody who's not awesome, who's not epic, who whose work should not be valued. And that is Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. I hate talking about him because he is a perfect example of the Skip Bayless, Colin Coward type that their whole career, their whole job is based off of people like us getting angry at him. But Mm -hmm. He put out an article. You know, he he has uh, quite the liking to trash Aaron Rodgers whenever he can. And he put out this article uh, that's uh, with a headline, Antonio Brown was suspended because he lied to his team in the league. Aaron Rodgers was, wasn't suspended because he just lied to everyone else. I am not even going to go into why this point is wrong or why it is stupid because – it doesn't take if you know the fa- if you know the stories, it doesn't mm-hmm. take a genius like me to yep. see that uh, Mike Florio doesn't know what he's talking about. Yep. I this <laughs> is and there's people on Twitter outside of Mike that are arguing the same point. And I'm just like, guys, dude, what 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 do you not I what do you what are you not? getting here it's it's not that hard to see that antonio brown committed a federal crime to his team and aaron Rodgers, it's just you know lied to everybody else because he didn't want people to be mean to him in the media exactly. nobody is saying when people are defending the case for aaron Rodgers, nobody is saying that that was the right thing for aaron Rodgers to do but come on people come on folks put it together put, put, put plug your brain in do some critical thinking. Yeah. At this point, people are just so stupid. It's just funny at this point. Like people are, people are that dumb. Like you just have to laugh at it. Yes. We're getting to that point in, in life, in the world where you just have to laugh. That is an all time flip moment from you there. Big B. P- yep. At this point, people are just so stupid. It's fun. Yep. I'll put that in the new intro when I finally get to working on it. <laughs> The Packers will win a conference championship game when I finally do the intro. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Uh, let's see here. What else we got on him? We've been going for about 49 minutes now. I don't think we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers' MVP case today. I don't think we're going to get to that. That's a little less important. Uh, okay. Well, let's get down to the last two things I want to talk about, and then uh, we'll, we'll keep the rest for our Bears preview. So we have something to talk about then. But um, so Aaron Rodgers turned 38-year-old uh, yesterday as we're recording this on December uh, 2nd. Uh, so, Bigby, can you yes. think of a moment in time? You know, it's a day after Aaron Rodgers' birthday. Think of a moment in time, you know, when you, I don't know, where somebody says he turned, it was his birthday yesterday. Yep. You know, can you think of a specific time then? Man, I think that um, Hail Mary in Detroit rings a bell, right? Oh, yeah. On the epic Jim Nance, uh, Al Michaels. Was, was it Al Michaels? Jim Phil Nance Sims. and uh, Phil Sims call. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, l- let me see how much I can remember over here. Uh, okay, let's see. They get a face mask from the Lions and Phil Sims, like, uh, you know, Let's see. Phil Sims like 
you see the receiver is going to get there, but the, can the bar get down far enough on the field? Jam Nintz, it's traveling in the air. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? Moment in him? It's going to get there. And then they go screaming. So that's, <laughs> that's Packers history for us. Six years ago today, that like, we're going to make people feel old here, but that's Packers history to me. That's the Packers history I will remember watching as a kid. Yeah. Because I remember what clothes I had on when watching that. Like, only because they were NFL helmet pajama pants. Like, you know, if they were just some dinosaur pajama pants, I probably wouldn't remember it. But I remember, you know, like, oh, my God. I remember so much about that night. It's just crazy to think about because me and my two older brothers were down there watching the game. Packers are down by three possessions for a lot of it. And, you know, then they get the face mask. We think it's over. Julius Peppers had a great strip fumble earlier on in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, just a moment when you realize, holy crap, Richard Rodgers has that ball in his hands. Man. <laughs> and that, and then I even remember, um, to, I, I remember a lot about the Cardinals Hail Mary too, but I don't want to talk about that. Uh, I ate cat, carrots afterwards, so, uh, for therapy. Big, hmm. yeah, Pete, do you have any memories of the, the Hail Mary in Detroit? Um, well, that's that's the point where I wasn't very much into football quite yet, Whoa. like I am now. Like I was I was just getting in there and I, you know, I watched the game, so I'm not like screaming my head off or anything. And I yeah. remember I went to bed at like halftime and uh-huh. I didn't sleep and I didn't see the ending. So yeah. And I oh no for a little bit there afterwards, but besides the point. The Lions game is pretty much the reason why I, like, I, the Packers can be down by 40 points, but if there's more than, like, five minutes left, I'm like, hold on, <laughs> folks. We're still in it. Yep. Like, I did not give up on that Saints week one game until, like, the sometime in the fourth quarter. Like, I was thinking in my head, okay, if we get a turnover here, uh, you know, score a touch on here, onside kick, you know. So, but that's that. Um, and I think we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here. I think we had some good discussions. Uh, I'll have to edit together, edit it together. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully have some good, good topics of discussion, some good rants. I hope will turn out well. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Big B, any uh, thoughts? Um, go Paco, go Paco. I am burning up right now. I got my window shining sunshine on me. I got my two bright lights on. I'm in sweatpants and a hoodie. I'm ready to be done recording, but thanks everybody for watching. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube. We appreciate all the support. We'll talk to you sometime next week. Go Paco.